I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, who are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water and now biodegradable. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum, from that first snappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are now 100% biodegradable and compostable wipes. With the same purity and quality as before, they are ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Oh, what a year we have had. And this weekend might raise an emotional release or two. I know it will for me. I think I'll feel pride, exhaustion, disbelief, gratitude, sadness, hope. Hopefully full after I emotionally eat my way through a box of chocolates. Thinking of all the moments this year that I didn't think I could do it. But I did. We did. Every mum did. This Mother's Day, take a moment for you to reflect on the year gone by. Think of one moment that you thought might break you. And then think of one moment that wouldn't have been possible without the pandemic. Because we will emerge from this the strongest, most resilient, appreciative and most priority-focused generation yet. And so will the children we are raising. So to everyone who became a mum or had another one, who is reaching this milestone wishing they were a mum, who missed their mum, lost their mum, who took on the role of carer, teacher, worker, chef, cleaner, appeaser, multitasker, negotiator, entertainer, fort builder, fixer, snack fetcher, nighttime comforter, constant worrier, and so much more than a mum, who didn't know she could reach the end of another day, never mind a whole year of this, doing her best as a mum. You have done enough. Your best was more than enough. You are incredible. We are incredible. Together, we are every mum. And whether it's more than 5k, another county or another country, we all miss home. And as we approach St. Patrick's Day, I'm joined by the glam shamrock Laura Drury to talk about her first year of motherhood in the UK and how much she cannot wait to touch back down on Irish soil with her little man and as it turns out, baby number two due this summer. We talk about her emergency C-section and recovery, returning to work after a year of mat leave in lockdown, how hard it is knowing her family don't know her little boy as she would like them to and how she will feel when she sees her next flight home to Ireland says, booking confirmed. Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Every Mum the Podcast. Um, I really wanted to talk to you today because I really wanted to represent a voice of a mother who has gone through this year, but away from home and no doubt misses Ireland so much and would love nothing more than to just pack up that little baby, get on a flight 
land here and see your family. Absolutely. That's like, that's like the dream. And it's such a, like, I've actually had it as such a dream. Like as in I've, I've, I've had it as a dream over like many times where I can literally smell the air and see the Dublin mountains when you get off the Ryanair flight and you're made to fucking walk in the rain into the terminal. I've seen it so many times in my head and I'm just like, when will this actually materialize? Like, when will this happen again? Like how old will Flynn be? Will he be bounding off the plane? Will he be running down the stairs? I've no idea. Like, it's just, it's mad. Because my expectation was to fly home pretty much every month of maternity leave. Like I had it all like mapped out. And yeah, I don't know. It's just fallen so bloody short of that. It's ridiculous. So, And of course, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if you're out of the country, out of the county, out of the 5K. People aren't being able to share their newborns, their babies, their experiences. Exactly. The change in who they are yeah. as well. You know, like having your family yeah. see that you, the woman, aren't, that same person anymore you know you're this maternal loving you know caring for this little person and it's yes. it's a it's a pride that you want to show off absolutely like for me for me I was like you know I've th- th- this little longed for person in my life who we wanted for so long and like now he's here I don't get to like share him with my family it's absolutely mental like and it's and it is and like I'm like you know he is such a gift of a child like he he's so like funny and sweet and well behaved and he just like I feel so bloody proud that he's my child and I don't get to like show him off to my parents and they don't get to like cuddle him and stuff and like FaceTime's just not enough but he's so used to FaceTime and his little face lights up when FaceTime comes on like he's so used to seeing people on screen but it's just like it's it's a weird little reality for them to adapt to like it's in you know they miss that physical contact and I just feel like it's going to be super hard on like grandparents and stuff and like I know my sister finds it really hard that she doesn't get to see get to see him like I find it really hard I don't get to see my niece and nephew and give them a cuddle as well because my sister and I almost feel like our kids are like interchangeable like as in my child would feel like her child anyway and I felt that way about her kids so in fact it was my sister having kids that made me go actually I do think I want to have them sooner rather than later so um yeah it's just one of those one of those things where you just feel like it's it's not a failure as such but it's just a really shit reality (laughs) Take us back to, because obviously Flynn, Flynn was born before the world yeah. ever even heard the words. Yes. The coronavirus restrictions. Yeah. Um, or the lovely lockdown. But <laughs> all these new vocabulary. Um, yeah. And so you had a glorious pregnancy, assuming yes. the, the road ahead would be mm. this maternity leave that wasn't to yeah. be. No. Um, yeah, he was born on the 1st of December in 2019, um, over here in glamorous Birmingham. And, um, he, yeah, I ended up having an emergency C-section after just shy of 40 hours labor where, uh, I wasn't given an epidural soon enough, even though I was begging for one. <laughs> they didn't have any anesthetists free. So I got absolutely screwed over. Oh God. Um, and they kept saying, oh yeah, someone will be along. Someone will be along. And I was like, you're liars. You're all liars. <laughs> stop lying to me um but yeah then (laughs) then eventually I think it was just such a stressful situation that he got ended up getting in the wrong position um and they just said his heart rate kept dropping so they just said we're just gonna get you to theater I was like okay at this point I didn't know what was going on I was like just get him out (laughs) get him out um so yeah he was he was he was born in December and I was really lucky, you know, like my, my birthday's the 17th of December and Christmas, I'm a bit of a Christmas fiend. So, um, my family, like my dad and my brother came over pretty much straight away. And then 
my parents are split up so my mum came over a few days after my dad <laughs> she was she was annoyed about for sure you've got to take it in turns um and then um my sister was coming over at the end of the month so kind of everyone got to see him in December which was really lovely um and yeah it was just a really magical little month for us because my, my my husband James had his two weeks paternity leave but then he'd also booked off Christmas so he, he basically got the first month off and I think having had an emergency c-section I really needed him more than I thought I would like it's crazy no one prepared like I hadn't prepared for having an emergency c-section at all like I, just, I, I hadn't even entered my mind that that would be the the birth that I would have at all um so there were, and I wasn't at all prepared for the recovery of it like I just yeah, I just wasn't. What did you find most difficult about the recovery? Um, like all of us. Yeah, I mean your your mobility is so reduced, and like you just feel. I think because I wasn't mentally prepared for it either, like I, or physically prepared. Like you're never, I don't think you're ever physically prepared. Like I just had, I, I, there was like two weeks where he, after he was born, where I was like, I can't believe that that ended up like that that ended up happening. Like I was just kind of like, you know, I'd done the whole. <laughs> okay, it's probably going to sound a bit graphic, but you know, like pra- the practice for having a natural delivery and trying mm. not to get an episiotomy. I think people know what the kind of effort has to go into that. And yeah, um, we're all about the perineum massage. Yeah, yeah, it has to be done. Um, but yeah, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna gonna do that, and hopefully, you know, get my midwife to guide me through pushing, and it'll all be fine. And um, yeah, and just to end up having a birth like that really mentally knocked me for six. And I really underestimated, I think, the effect that that would have on me physically and mentally. Um, like, even the drive home, no one tells you that the drive home after a C-section, like, even, even a little dint in the road, you're like, oh my God, like, you feel everything. Um, and yeah, like, just ch- like trying to change Flynn's nappy and stuff when I was just feeling like, you just feel like jelly for about two weeks. Mm. Um, so yeah, James had to do most of it and obviously like lift him in and out of the bed so that I could feed him and stuff like that. So it was full on. These sections were not intended or not the chosen route are very difficult to get to wrap your head around. Mm. But after 40 hours of painful labor, Mm. your body has just exhausted itself. And yeah, deleted itself of energy. Oh, I so nothing much. in the tank. Absolutely nothing in the tank. And actually, I I ended up I couldn't keep anything down. Like water, food. They gave me paracetamol. Ended up like every, I, it's like all medication. My body just went no, 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 no. Um. So yeah, I was absolutely like absolutely at zero, running on empty. And it is a very physical surgery. You know, it's not okay. just another way of giving birth. No, it's a very intense surgery. Yeah. yeah. And I think like I was one of these people where like I was I was getting like before I got pregnant, I was in a kind of a real like super fit. Like I was working out all the time. I was going walking, getting 10,000 steps a day. I was very like, you know, goal orientated. I was doing Slimming World. I was probably like the best, the best Nick I've been in years, um, which, you know, might be why I got pregnant in the first place. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely took like some getting used to I think adjusting to your body in pregnancy because I tried to like keep fit as much as possible in pregnancy and then it's like your body just gets cut open and I was like wow okay it's really really wasn't fell so far from my expectation um but yeah like I I've, I find women's birth stories now so interesting mm. because I think we all have such a story to tell and like every birth that we then have like obviously you've two two babies like I'm sure like no no birth has been the same um so I'm always intrigued and I love hearing other women's stories because it's like, 
we've all been through it in some way, shape or form, but it's all, it's always just that little bit different for everyone. And I really like to hear that. And I think it's something we can all appreciate once we're on the other side of it. Even when I was due my second, um, I had a very rare, we were, we were in level three, I think, as opposed to level five. And I had a rare um, chance to, to see a friend face to face. And we didn't know that actually two days later, my waters would break. I thought I had a little bit longer, but the last thing she said to me, she was like, oh, I can't wait to hear your story. And even though it hadn't happened yet, yeah. You know, there's this, oh, I can't wait to hear what, what, what it's going to be and yeah. how it's going to go and how it's going to start and how it's going to end. They're like war stories. <laughs> they are, but they're also, they're also transformation stories. Mm, they because, are. Yes, it's the story of Flynn, but you, the day before and you the day after are different people. Absolutely. Yeah, completely. No, it's great. It's crazy what it does to you. It's, but it's crazy not just what it does to your body, but what it does to your head. That's what people don't maybe always tell you. I completely, in, in one of the episodes we had, we had uh, Tara, the navigation coach, who had just, she gives me shit oh, every time Tara she speaks. Her. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. And she spoke about her birth, uh, not her birth, but her, her daughter, birth. Yeah. And how she, you know, she had a lovely phrase of like, the woman that walks into that hospital is not the woman that walks back out. and we put all this expectation on ourselves to be the people that we walked back out but that is never the case and if we could just learn to actually be kinder and accept this new improved version of us yes she's softer yes she's more emotional yes she's kind of lonely and confused and overwhelmed and trying her best Um, Mm. if we could love her as much as we wanted to be the old version of us we would sail through the next few months but there you are kind of in, as you described in January, you know, you are processing this new mm-hmm. version of you at the beginning of 2020 and, you know, wanting, I suppose, the, the luxuries that you just spoke about before, the connection with your family, yeah. the, the maternity leave that we all on our first think is this glorious, endless phase of our life (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I had a taste of it and then it was robbed from me which I don't know if if what's worse like if you literally go in have a lockdown baby you're not allowed to have any of it from the start but I suppose with your daughter who's three you've experienced a really lovely maternity leave before so you just know that this one that you have now you're like well this is a write-off really yeah I think I think I think locked because I you know I was in lockdown from the moment that I got the positive pregnancy test on my second so by the time she was actually born I'm this I'm used to now this new life I think if it was if it was stolen from me when she was just born I think I would have found that adjustment very hard it was hard yeah it definitely was hard because I think as well like for me I'm very much like like I wanted to get out and I wanted to put my makeup on and I wanted to I wanted to still feel like me and I wanted to feel like I could get my shit together and get out the door every day with my baby, whether that was like for a walk or to go somewhere to meet someone for coffee or go to a class with them. Um, I just very much am one of these people that I feel like I need to have a little bit of a purpose in my day. Mm. And like that, like literally that, and that can be, like I said, just getting, getting out the door and whether that is just a walk or getting a face on and going to meet somebody. Um, And that's the thing as well. I think like you have a baby, but you, you shouldn't forget who you are as well and what makes you happy even before that baby entered the equation. Like for me, I like, I don't have the luxury of sitting down and painting my face for an hour anymore, but like that used to be my like therapy, my kind of my outlet. Um, still, and it still is, and it probably will be again in the future when I have that time back. But, um, yeah, like 
you shouldn't for, I think, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to completely change who you are as a person to be a mother. Um, and I think that's probably been like, that's been a fairly valuable lesson. Like I, and I never, I never actually kind of went into motherhood going, Oh yeah, I'm going to be a completely different person. I think your perspective changes, but who you are as a person isn't going to change that much. And what makes you happy before you had your baby is still going to make you happy. But you know, your, your, your kid is going to be your be all and end all. And you do factor them into the equation always, but don't forget, don't lose sight of who you are and what makes you happy as a, as a woman, as a person first as well, because I think that's where I think people slip into, you know, feeling lost and feeling really, really depressed. Mm. Like if you find the cues of what's always made you happy, I kind of think you can't go wrong and kind of use that as your anchor. It's just that so many of those things are now being denied. You yeah. Know, yeah. 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 That's what's so hard. Like if, if, if what made you happy was going somewhere, doing something, taking yeah. part in something, you know, it's, it's hard to stay the full spectrum of who you were when we've been so curtailed. And my family in Ireland were a huge, huge part of that as well. I have to say, like, as in, you know, like I've, I've always been a very proud Irish woman and that will never change. Like I've always felt very happy to be the, uh, the Irish girl in the room over here. Like that's always been my, my persona, I guess. And, you know, I've capitalized on it to a degree with my Instagram handle, I suppose. But, um, yeah, like I've always, I've always like loved going back home to Dublin and like hanging out with my sister and, you know, going shopping. And I have loved, lots of lovely memories of walking up and down Grafton street with a butcher's hot chocolate in my hand, you know, like I'm, I love, I love Dublin and I never, I never left home thinking, God, yeah, this, I'm done with Dublin. Like I'm over, I'm over being at home. Like I'm, I'm, we may, we may live in Ireland at some point. You never know. Like I'm always really open to the idea, but yeah, I mean the fact that I've just kind of missed so much time at home, like this is hands down the longest time I've been away from Ireland ever in my whole life. And it's just, you know, it's shite. (laughs) He's been back in Ireland, is it twice? Was it once or twice? Yeah, he's been in Ireland twice. And how was that process of packing up and going? And could you imagine being able to do it again? <laughs> the first time when I think about it was absolutely ridiculous. He was nine weeks old. I brought him over. I went over on my own um, on the proviso that my brother meet me at Dublin Airport on the other side. And I was just like, I literally want somebody there straight away. Because my family are feckers, like they would never, like I remember coming home from New Zealand after four months and there was no one at the airport to meet me. I'm like, you're all a share of bastards. I'd have to get the bus into the city with all my bags and be like, right, I'll meet you somewhere. But they wouldn't come out to the airport for me. I was like, oh, for God's sake. But this time I was like, somebody is meeting me at the airport with a car. <laughs> it's all changed now that I'm a child, actually. They're all very, you know, they're all yeah. very, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, of course. Um, whereas before they were like, oh, make your own way, kid. <laughs> Bill's resilience. Bill's resilience. <laughs> oh, big time, yeah. Um, well, I got sent to boarding school when I was twelve, so I've had to, <laughs> I've had to learn the independent life, and I'm very comfortable in it. To be fair, um, I used to do a lot of obviously traveling back and forth to Ireland on my own, and I used to, I love traveling places on my own. I really like being Me on a plane too. on my own and just, you know, pissing around airport duty free on my yes. own. Like I love that. Oh, I would and, love to be on my own walking yeah. through an airport. Actually, do you know something? One of my last memories of leaving Ireland before having Flynn, I was over in Ireland about three and a half weeks before I was due and it was my friend's wedding. And um, I initially was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to make the wedding. But I was like, do you know what? I feel fine. I'm just going to go over. And we, we booked and we went over. And um, 
I remember crying on the plane on the way back being like, this is it. This is the last time I fly on my own ever. I was like, I'll always have somebody with me now, whether it's like, it'll always be this little, a little person with me. Cause I was like, I can never, I'll never do it on my own. So it was, I was like saying goodbye. It was closing a yeah. chapter. And I do think it's kind of important to say goodbye to certain things that you know will never be the same again. And that, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like sat on a Ryan, a really busy Ryanair flight, a bloody 30, 37 weeks pregnant being like, I'm never going to get to do this again. How was it to, to, to land, to be greeted? A family member was there. <laughs> um, and to have that experience of, you know, being back in Ireland, but with your son, showing him yeah, I was so, so proud. Like, I was really, really proud. Like, he, he he was an absolute dream on the plane, I have to say. Like, I remember him being, like, when he was that little. I just I just fed him just before takeoff and cuddled him, and he fell asleep then, and he was a dream throughout the whole flight. You couldn't hear a peep. Like, I a couple of ladies at the front of the plane, they were like, we didn't even think there was a baby on the plane. You know, and I love that. I love, like, Irish women being like, God, you'd never know they were even here, would you? Um and like, yeah, it was, it was just lovely. And um, I did lose my phone in the airport though, which was annoying. Uh, I left it in airport security before I left Birmingham because I was just so flustered. And I was like focused on getting all the baby shit that I completely yeah. forgot about, you know, basic shit for myself, like my phone. Um, so before my boarding pass had been printed out and usually I would keep them on my phone. So I think I just print, had, the, had them printed out in advance just to be on the safe side. Um, but I still, I think I'm, I asked somebody on the plane I just said, could I, because I knew, I know my brother's mobile number off by heart. So I was able to message him. Thank God. <laughs> um, and just say, still meet me at the airport. I've lost my phone. And I, I messaged my husband as well. Um, I think I messaged him over Facebook and I just said, have lost phone, call airport, please. And find out if you can get it. And he did. He managed to get it the next day. So I was like, grand. Oh, so when I, at least when I got back to the UK, I was able it to get it back. But do you know what? Having no phone when I went over, it was only seeing my family anyway. And it was just, you know take the baby to see everyone and I think I did like three four days and James when I got back he was like You're, I don't want you doing that again like as in he was like I, that was too long for us to be away from him with, with with the new baby he was like just don't do that again he's like I can't I can't have you guys been gone for that long isn't it funny it killed him the um the fluster that you were just oh. describing there and the yeah. The, you'll always lose something or you'll put down something and you, you yeah. your mind has like too many tabs open yeah but that is something that I found I haven't missed on this maternity leave versus my first. Yeah. I felt like, like you, I loved having something in my day. I still wanted to feel like me. I still wanted to get up, get dressed, look okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would not, I'm not going to say good because I got no sleep. Look okay. Get in the car, get out the door, meet people, be on time, be on schedule, like yeah. three different things in a day. You know, we're going to be at a baby sensory, then we're going to do swimming, then I've got a lunch, then I... Yeah. I packed so much in. Yeah. I was constantly on like this, like an anxious feeling of military precision and overthinking how to get to a destination and overthinking have I packed what I need, completely forgetting about anything that I needed. Oh, Yeah. I, I, did, I didn't pack anything for myself that trip. I literally said to my sister, I was like, you've got clothes for me, right? And she's like, yeah, I guess. I literally, I went over in the outfit that I went over in, had one change of jumper, pretty much lived in the same leggings for three days and then just kept changing my jumper and pants. Whereas this time around, because obviously I haven't been able to go anywhere or do anything, I have kind of enjoyed not putting myself through that. 
Yeah, and to, and to be fair, I don't know if we'll ever have to go back to the life that we were living mm. necessarily. I, I'm I'm a big believer actually that like things have to change. Like I don't necessarily okay. see myself going back to an office full time. Certainly not. And to be honest, I'm very grateful for the fact that I'm not having to, you know, get myself up, look look, you know, office ready, get him to nursery, fucking drive to the office, no doubt battling through what would be school traffic which in the UK, oh my God, Jesus, it is awful. Um, and then have, having to like battle our way back to get to him. And like my husband works, like his office is based in the centre of Birmingham and he used to get the train every morning and he, you know, if he was working late and stuff, like he wouldn't, like he'd miss bedtime and he'd literally go whole days without seeing Flynn and it would be crap. Um, whereas now, obviously, we're so used to this working from home life now. I mean, I've only been back working uh, for about a month now in my job. Um, but you know, it's, it's so, it just feels more manageable. Like, yes, I, you know, I miss, I miss not being able to see other women in the office who are mums and kind of feel a bit kind of like part of, part of that. Mm. And I think that's probably been the most alienating factor for me is just feeling like I've come back to work and I'm in a team where, um, no one else has kids. So I just feel a little bit like out of place in that regard. But if I had been in the office, then maybe, you know, I'd be seeing the other mums leaving on time and I'd be like, okay yeah they're doing it so I can do it whereas you know when you're at home and it's just your team and stuff you're kind of like shit maybe I do need to work a bit later and kind of muscle in and stay on later like they do and stuff but I, I even though I don't you just get yourself into these crazy like you get into your head don't you you're like well am I, am I doing enough if I'm not staying on like they are and yeah it's 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 definitely kind of a weird vicious cycle it's an adjustment it's, that you'll have to get used to and I think everybody else went through this back yeah. in March and April but you were off so you didn't yeah, have to get in now. touch with it then and <laughs> and it is a sense like there's a there's an unrealistic guilt associated with working oh god stop. at home yeah completely and I and I get that now like I've only gone back to work three and a half days because basically I, I kind of I didn't really want to do any more than about that because I've I've you know I didn't want to I didn't want Flynn to be in nursery all the time like I love spending time with him I love seeing the little person he, he's becoming and for me it was about time and you know I I've always said that like later down the line depending on how many kids we have and if we can afford it like I would like to stay at home for a few years because I do want to raise my children <laughs> myself <laughs> you know I want to have a very firm hand in who they become mm. um and, you know, I've got a lot of respect for, for working mums. And I've always said to a, degree, to a degree, I will always work and want to kind of contribute to my, to, you know, income in the house and have my own, have my own income essentially, but not at the expense of what you miss out on, I think. And I'm having so many conversations yeah. about that right now this year. There's been a reprioritization re for yeah. women. Yeah. Um, and I think because, well, firstly, the cards fell on 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 women on mothers' shoulders more than most at home, um. But also, I think when when as a society you're all in this hamster wheel together, and it's very hard for you to be the one to step off and say, "Oh, actually, could I could I go three days?" Mm. It's very hard for you to to be the person to ask that first or yeah. to to take that step because. You're competing in this hamster wheel of, but we're all, we're all doing it. We're all doing it. We're, we're all going a million miles an hour and nobody sees anybody and nobody's present. And, yeah. you know, we're going, oh, mindfulness and, you know, trying to, um, to medicate 
ourselves because we're just doing too much. There's just too much happening. But that's what this is. That's what this whole thing is done. And which I think in a way you kind of have to look at it and go, God, it's, it is a bit of a blessing. It's made us all, like I was talking to my cousin about it the other day and like we've all had no choice but to slow down. We've all had no choice but to take a step back and look at our lives and go, wow, what life was I living? Mm-hmm. Um, and and do, does it really suit me? Does it really fall in line to what I want? And actually what you want, you now have time to think about what you want, whereas before you didn't. Yeah. So it's, it's, all, it's all of these things where you're like, is that really important? Was that really important? Did I really need to, you know, do I really need to have a designer outfit? Do I really need to have those expensive trainers? No, I don't. And that's why they're on Depop right now, because I don't give a shit about them anymore. You know, it's it's a big, like, realignment of your priorities. This kind of slowed down, wholesome life that we all live now. We actually finally have an opportunity to to invest in ourselves a little bit, which I think some people get and some people don't. Um, but yeah, that's something that, like, kind of dawned on me really late. But I, I'm, I feel quite grateful to kind of start doing. And, I, I, and I'm interested then to see where that's going to lead me in the future. I think there's always a fear of change. Nobody oh, likes yeah. change. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and that thing of like, yeah, but if, if everything fell, if fell away tomorrow, what would matter? Yeah. We've had that. Everything fell away. Oh, yeah. And now we know with more clarity what matters. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how people are going to like shift that work balance you know, demand change, how employers are going to finally feel, oh yeah, we can trust a remote workforce and yeah. a flexible workforce. They've had um, no choice. <laughs> they've had no choice. It has yeah. been the most amazing kind of global experiment to free up workers and to say like, yeah, I can do this and be a parent. And I'd imagine like having your partner home throughout your maternity leave. I know he, he was working, but yeah. having him so present, that's yes. such, that, that is, dad oh, not get been, that. It's been absolutely amazing. Like James is such, like the bond the two of them have is just, it melts me. I, I absolutely like, I'm not a weepy person at all, but like seeing, seeing them two together, I'm just like, it, it just gets me. I love it. Um, and he's, he's just like, he's the dad of my dream. Like the, he's the, 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 he's become the dad of my dreams. Like that I always knew he would be, but like even more so, like Flynn is always data first before me. I'm nobody to him. He's really good. He's a really good child. Like I said, that's what makes it even like harder that I feel like people have kind of miss out on seeing what a lovely kid he is, you know? You want people to fall in love with your babies. Oh, like yeah. You just want them to. Yeah, absolutely. Like my mum even finds it really hard being on FaceTime because she's like, I, she's like, I just want to cuddle them and it's just yeah. too hard that it's just through a screen, you know? It's a lonely old time for everyone. Like, so yeah. even having this chat with you this morning, like, I just, well, I, not that I don't love my children, but I've had them all week. Adult female conversation will never be something that I, uh, that I take for granted ever again. And that's kind of like, that's one of the reasons why, like, I, I really like where my page is at on Instagram at the moment, because it's kind of like, I've, I think since having Flynn, I've had, I've, it's become way more of a community feel. Like, whereas before it was just like my creative outlet to just put up, you know, pictures of products and make them crap like that. But since becoming a mum, I feel like it's become a real place where I can use it as a sounding board. And like, I am a bit of a ranter and a bit of a chatty, you know, I, I, I love giving it a bit of chat, but it's, it's the community I feel and the other women I've met that actually make it what it is for me now. And so it's so much better than what I'd originally intended it to be. So... And in the absence of home and Ireland and family and all that, 
isn't that what we need right now? We need Absolutely. that connection with other women. Yeah. And that's the thing. And a lot of like, because I'd say like, you know, 85% of my following is still Irish or I actually get a lot of messages from fellow women who are Irish abroad too. So, you know, and because anytime I get on and I talk about how much I miss home and little things that I miss. And like I said, even so much as, you know, walking down Grafton street with a Butler's hot chocolate, getting to go in for, for a wander in Brown Thomas, like all these little things that would would have been second nature on a day in Dublin like they you you I'll never take them for granted again um and it's yeah hearing from other women who kind of feel the same like people in Australia people in America and um, loads and loads of patties over here in the UK just not getting to do the same and just saying god yeah I took it for granted before and you saying it has really kind of brought it home so it's it, I but I love hearing that and I love that sense of community and it's really it's really helped me this year massively how do you think it'll feel when you step onto that flight with Flynn Oh God, I can't even, I can't even think about it right now. Cause I guess until, until it's, until it's actually going to happen, like until I've actually gone on Ryanair's website and clicked and paid that money, I just can't, I can't picture it. Isn't it mad? Like I'm just, I'm trying, and I'm trying not to picture it either. Cause it's kind of, it's too much, it's too much to think about, but yeah. It will happen someday. It will happen. I, I and I'm an absolute believer in keeping, keeping that kind of faith, but like like even getting home last July we had beautiful weather like we we had such a like we used to just walk down to the pier in Arklow and it's so funny like I don't have romantic notions about my childhood at all but like I was really like god like what a lovely place that I, I got to grow up in like I oh, know it's Arklow Arklow's probably not the most glamorous town but like it, when the weather is good and the beach is there and the seaside and everything I was like Jesus you know like I I totally took it for granted but what a lovely place to live um, and I was just so proud, like having Flynn in the buggy and walking him around. Well, I can't wait to hear that those tickets are booked and that flight is taking <laughs> off and that you're back on I'll have, to, I'll have to hit you up for a coffee, definitely. There'd be more than coffee. Yeah, it'd be fab. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us this morning. And you, honestly, I can't wait to hear that you're home. Oh, thank you very much. And yeah, I think I'll be I'll be all over my stories letting people know as soon as those flights are booked, so don't worry about that. Thank you. Thanks, Sinead. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are now 100% biodegradable, plant-based and compostable wipes and the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including best baby wipes so you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet if you enjoyed this conversation subscribe rate or leave a review share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest laura at the glam shamrock on instagram talk to you again next week